You know, money cannot buy happiness. True words were never spoken. We're no longer chasing the almighty dollar. Our ideals are higher than profit. Instead of the aristocracy of money, we have... The aristocracy of pull. I mean, now it's about influence, but you knew that already. <laughs> what I know is that you need to learn some manners. You ever doubted that money was the root of all evil? There's your proof. Oh, so you think money's the root of all evil? Have you ever asked yourself what's the root of money? Money's a tool that allows us to trade with one another. Your goods for mine. Your efforts for mine. The keystone of civilization. Having money's not the measure of a man. What matters is how he got it. If he produced it by creating value, then his money is a token of honor. Look who's talking about honor. But if he's taken it from those who produce, then there is no honor. And you're simply a looter. Senor Danconia, we all know that money is made by the strong at the expense of the weak. Hmm. What kind of strength are you talking about? The power to create value? Or the ability to manipulate, to extort money in backroom deals, to exercise pull. Right. Just leave. Okay. When money ceases to be the tool by which men deal with one another, then men become the tools of men. Blood, whips, chains, or dollars, take your choice. There is no other. And your time is running out. Pretty Fly for a poli -Sci. I am your host, Keith. We're going to be talking with a good friend of mine about cryptocurrencies. So enjoy. So we were going to be talking about crypto. Um, and you had said this particular weekend that you actually had some serious like ups and downs. I had um, some good ups. I just made the trades at the right time. And then um, I had, I made, I think, $400 over the course of the weekend, and then I lost, like, $100. So you're doing, like, a day trading? Yeah. So what is your what is your process when you're doing that? Um, basically, I look at how much it's gone up, and I'll move it into a currency. So what I did this weekend, I moved it from, instead of moving it back into cash, I moved it into... Um, British pound sterling. Uh, so that's where I kind of maxed out at 400. And then I started messing around with some other crypto. I think it was called XRP. And, um, you know, I lost a little bit. Yeah, I think I had some XRP at one point. But that was really more, yeah, that was really more of me like um, sort of signing off for the night without looking at how it was going <laughs> as opposed to, you know, paying attention during the entire process. But I mean, if you look at how 
um, how Batcoin has gone over the past year, um, it is a pretty steady increase. Like in February when I got into it, it was worth pretty much nothing. And just like everything else, um, it has gone up significantly. I really kind of kicked myself for not just putting everything into Bat from the get-go. So that's when you started was back in February? Well, that's when I started with all of it. Um, and back in February, um, that's when I started accumulating Bat through uh, using the Brave browser, but I wasn't actually storing anything in Bat at the time. Uh, I was just kind of messing around with whatever I could put money into. Yeah. But I've only done this like $10 at a time. Uh, I think the largest single investment I made was uh, $100. So what is what do you have the most of right now? Is it are you keeping it in bat or you're just like fluctuating as you're trading? Yeah, right now uh, for about the past week I've been um probably 99% all in with bat. Uh actually, no, it's probably been about the past 3 weeks I've been mostly all in on bat and you know, for me that just it's, it's very predictable, um, and I like the ability to say uh, bat is worth close to a dollar. Like for me, like being able to say, okay, I've got .00023 of a Bitcoin isn't, I don't know, it's not inspiring enough, I guess. Um, if I had my druthers, my goal would be to find something that is literally, you know, at the point of being worth near nothing get as much of it as i could and then move on from there i just don't have the patience to like sit with like say xrp or or doge until it accumulates but um you know this seems to be pretty solid uh solid path forward in my mind if you have the patience for it so i've just been looking to try to make say ten dollars on a transaction here and there because uh with that little ten dollars i you know, I've gone from, I think, 900 to like 1,200 in a few days, a few hours, really. So it's interesting because you're coming at it from the angle of like investing, like day trading, like trying to make money with it. Whereas when I started getting into it, my approach was from the other side where I was coming in like uh, a store of value, like a hedge against inflation. And to me, honestly, more importantly, really the um, using it like a currency to kind of give the finger to the government, you know? Yeah. I've never really figured out how to buy anything with it. You and I had talked about that at one point. Um, I've never really gone too deep into like how to use a wallet or anything like that. And, I don't know that I trust crypto well enough to like go putting any more into it at one time than I would spend on anything else. Um, like I wouldn't put my life savings into it. Well, I wouldn't have when I got started. Now, as of right now, I could see myself, um, you know, going as deep as a thousand dollars on a on a single transaction, but I haven't made the leap yet. That's so that made me think of um, <clears throat> towards the beginning of the year when Bitcoin took like a big dip and then shot up again, like when it did when it did the dip and everybody was like, oh, it's finally finished. That was me. Um, there was a 
there was a football player, an NFL player. I don't remember his name. don't remember who he played for. I just remember reading the story that this guy, when he initially did his contract, he actually worked it into his contract where I think about half of what he was getting paid was actually uh, in Bitcoin. So whatever they were going to pay him, like say he's making – let, let just for the sake of even numbers, let's just say he was making a million dollars a year. So five hundred thousand of that they would take and buy Bitcoin and give that five hundred thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin to him. So when it shot up again, he was now making more with his salary than what he would have been. So like I mean, you know, obviously NFL players are kind of a bad example because they're making hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, but this guy had gone from essentially being like a couple million dollar player a year to like a $10 million player a year by just by having them pay him half of his salary in Bitcoin. And I was, when that story came out, cause I saw it on like Yahoo finance, um, you know, it, it was really kind of opening. I was like, that's more people should do that. Like, because you don't have to, you're not really out anything. So I was talking to, um, so I'm going to post this later as a podcast. So for anybody listening, uh, I'm referencing another friend of ours, <laughs> a mutual friend. I was talking to Trevor about Bitcoin a while back, and he was like, he's like, I don't get it. And I was like, well, the way I like to describe it to people is it's like gold where you buy gold. Gold is worth X amount of dollars. And the worse the dollar gets the more the gold is worth essentially because it takes more dollars to buy the gold. So it's like a store of value. You're basically hedging your money against inflation. The big difference between like Bitcoin and gold though, is it is actually much easier to spend Bitcoin than gold. So as far as investments go to me, it makes more sense as that hedge against inflation because in a bind, you can always spend it. And it's easier to convert back to your cash than gold would be like gold. you got to find a buyer, it, you know, like if you're talking like coins or jewelry. Now, if you've got bullion, then it's even harder to move. Right. Bitcoin, you got a wallet and you're like, I'm going to spend this this way or I'm going to convert it to cash by selling it to someone. And that's to me makes sense because. You know, like I said, it's easier, right? You're not stuck. So if I if I buy gold, it's a great investment. But if something happens and my finances take a dive for other reasons, then I'm stuck with this gold I can't do anything with. The Bitcoin, much easier to get rid of. Um, my, my view of crypto changed when I just randomly saw that on you know, on the exchange I use, which is called Uphold, they've got a, a cash value... Um, coins so to speak so you can convert it back into dollars but that's not putting it back into your bank account that's just saying okay i've got so much bitcoin i've got so much cash and that's not like a transaction back to your bank that's just money being held in cash so that really changed my view of it because what i was thinking at first is you know before i even saw that that i don't know what you want to call it it's a token or whatever but i was saying okay when I'm ready to pull my money out, I have to put my money back in the bank. And that created problems for me because I think, okay, well, the bank is the thing that I don't trust here. So I don't want to like, you know, you have to pull your money out of something when it goes high in order to protect it from when that, that stock or that crypto drops. So where are you going to put it? 
Um, and you know, it's easy to think of the dollar as the default option, but it's really not because you know you could also move it into pound sterling. You can move it into some other currency. So I think that for me, um, I really started to see better gains when I started looking at it as the dollar is not my bank account. Um, you know, I can move it into the dollar to sort of protect it from that dip, but I don't have to move it back into my bank account because that, I mean, going, not getting too political here, but like that's kind of the thing that that pushed me to want to look into crypto. So if I don't move it into the dollar, or if I don't move it into my bank account, I can still move it into the dollar. I can move it into some other currency. Um, and that kind of gets you away from the fluctuations that are going to naturally happen. Um, I'm not a financial advisor, but one thing I would tell myself when I first started this, if I were you know, going back in time, is um, it really takes watching watching a currency or crypto or token or whatever over the course of a few weeks to see what the patterns are. Like if you watch Batcoin or with most of them, but Bat in particular, during part of the week it'll go up, during part of the week it'll go down. And it seems to do about the same thing every seven days. Now it may go up more or down more, but you know, you can kind of time what you're going to do according to what it's doing on a particular day and what it did on the previous day. Whereas if you're just doing what I did at first, which is like, I'd see it go up a couple of cents and, you know, start thinking about selling, um, you know, you're going to lose money pretty much every time. But I would, I would assume that's probably the way the stock market is as well. Yeah. The, the thing about the stock market is because that's been around for longer and people have been doing that more, there's more tools for you to be able to watch it and to try to guess trends and like because i'm sure you've seen like people you know they got like their candlestick graphs and they've got like dips and and you know green high and red low and all all that stuff um whereas with crypto like something I you can get that probably in some platforms um you can't get it in uphold that i'm aware of but um no uphold but, is just the most basic yeah, and that's so that's something too that for me so okay, uphold is an exchange. But when you if you set up an uphold account through Brave, then they're trying to sell it to you like it's a wallet and they even call it uphold wallet. But right. in reality, the those keys aren't yours and there's a good saying that uh i've heard when it comes to crypto that like it to me it's, it's the perfect thing to keep in mind like if, if if anybody watches or listens to this and they take nothing else from this remember not your keys not your crypto <laughs> i like that so and, and i that's not my thing i got it from someone else i would credit them but i don't remember who i got it from i've heard it from numerous different places um but if for a, a true wallet, you have the keys to it. You've got a recovery key. You've got passphrases and all that stuff that makes it yours. Just like, you know, you've got a physical wallet that you could put dollar bills in or keep your, your credit cards or whatever. The crypto wallet holds that. Now, that doesn't fluctuate, you know, like the, the value of it still changes just like, the you know, the dollar bill in your pocket. Like I was telling my daughter earlier 
we were talking about money and I was talking to her about inflation and, you know, right now it's at like 3%. It, it typically is about 3% annually. Although I've heard some suggestions that we're actually above four or maybe five right now. They're just not reporting on it because, you know, they don't want to report on the bad things with Biden in office. But so if you look at it, if you look at it with even numbers, a hundred bucks on January 1st is 97 on December 31st. So you need to, your honor, if you just, so if I just put that money in my wallet and just keep it in my wallet, if I got a hundred dollar bill and put it in my wallet, it will not buy the same amount of things on December 31st that it would have on January 1st when I put it in there. The difference is with crypto because of the markets, because of people like you doing what you're doing with the trading and then other people that are investing in it long term, it tends to over over a period. And what I've seen from most of them, like some of them have some real highs and then drop off pretty far. Like Dogecoin at one point shot up to like 70, 80 cents. And people were like, holy crap, it's going to hit a dollar. Um, and it, it never quite did. But uh, and it, it still could. But. It is now it's at about like 20 cents or so uh, as of this recording. But so it's still over over a long enough period. If you watch the trend overall, it's growing. And that to me is, be, is because of inflation. It's just like with gold, how gold just keeps rising. It's because the dollars are worth less. So it takes more to buy them. So the, the crypto does the same thing. So if you're keeping it in an exchange, like it's easier to trade in and out of. Uh, but it's a little more dangerous because someone can get to it. That's why I was saying the not your keys, not your crypto thing, because anybody like um, there was just uh, that link we both just saw in the, the group chat that we were in with the the settlement over the Bitcoin hack from what uh, 2014. So that was a similar type of thing where people, you know, they could get in and get So if they can get your keys, they can get your crypto. If they hack the exchange, they can get your crypto or they can get your dollars or whatever. Um, but if it's in your wallet, then it is secure and yours, but it can still go up in value. So that's, that's the, the, that's why you want to have a wallet. Like, especially like some people, they, you know, they want like the hard cold storage basically where it's removed. It's in your pocket. It's on like a, a thumb drive type deal. Um, you know, I'm not necessarily that far, but I haven't gone that hardcore into it. If I was doing that, if I was using crypto all the time or like hardcore day trading or even long-term investing in it right now, I just kind of play around with it because I'm not financially at a place where I'm comfortable doing a hardcore investing because I've got other things I need to take care of right now. But if I were, once I am able to go more into it like I want to, then, then that's where I'm going to keep it is offline in, you know, something like, uh, like a Trezor or something like that, because it's just, it's safer. Um, because if you keep it on the exchange, you're running that like, yes, it is easier, but it's not that hard to, to import money from one of those wallets into an exchange. When you do go that route, let me know, because, um, I'm playing with, like you, I'm playing with small amounts of money, so it's not, um, I wouldn't consider it terribly risky for me. But, you know, from what I've seen, I feel like a person starting off with or getting to the point of 
having, say, $1,000 or $2,000 invested. I mean, if you pay, play around with it long enough, or at least I have been able to, like, kind of consistently and reliably make trades that will net around, you know, somewhere between 20 and $50 on, on a particular trade. And I don't know what it is about crypto, but, you know, back when I was messing around with um, doing stocks, um, it never really worked out that well for me. Uh, and I'm, I'm aware that with stocks, there's, you know, a lot bigger factors at play that kind of work against the little guy. But, um, yeah, I'd say $1,000, $2,000 is a, a great place to start. And if you can't start there, I mean, it's not financial advice, but um, I started literally with just $10 and what I was earning with my Brave browser. Yeah, that's so, okay, but let's say, you know, so the return on investment for you then has been pretty high, like percentage wise, like, so you're, you're far outpacing inflation with the level that you're doing right now. You know, well, I mean, that's the, the mind blowing thing about this. I'm not outpacing inflation. The brave token is outpacing inflation. Like if I was to just, I mean, if nothing else, I could just sit my money in my brave token and pretty much forget about it. And that's still doing better than the US dollar in terms of inflation. So, you know, for that extra money that you want to make, you know, doing the little 10 or $20 trades is great, but um, I mean, it shouldn't take a financial expert to make this kind of um, analysis. And if it does, uh, I hope nobody takes me to court, but if you look at how Batcoin or Bat Token or whatever has gone um, since it got started. It's you know I would argue that it's pretty well above four percent. So yeah, I've been surprised just in the the time frame that I've been using Brave uh, as as a browser and getting that every month from them for you because I turned that on and and um, like at one point. I was able to sync it with my phone too. And uh, I had the ads like turned up all the way on the phone. So I was getting all kinds of ads, but now the, the syncing doesn't quite work uh, between the phone and the uh, um, desktop app the same way. But, but what I was trying to say is I've noticed that, yeah, it's gone up tremendously just in the time frame that I've been using the browser and getting the uh, basic attention token from them. Uh, it's, it's pretty shocking how much it's gone up. Like it does. I, I haven't done the research, but it does kind of scary. Seem, it does seem to be a little steadier than some of the others. Um, like it does fluctuate. They all do. But like, you know, Bitcoin will drop five percent in a day and then shoot up ten percent and then lose fifteen you know like it's fluctuating hardcore whereas the bat is looking like you know it drops two it goes up one then a good day it went up three oh we're back down two like it, but it's like a steady increase over time from where it was when i first started which to me is pretty impressive yeah, yeah. and then more importantly is you know it will have those periods over the course of a few days or, you know, uh, a few days or hours where you can predict what it's going to do. Um, predictability is 
um, I think pretty important in this game or, or any kind of market type games. Yeah, because if, if it's too unpredictable, then you're basically just gambling at that point. You might <laughs> yeah, have, absolutely. You know, take a trip to Vegas or something. Because if the odds are that much, <laughs> you know, if it's that fluctual, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Let me throw some money. Hey, I won. Oh, I lost it. Yeah, that's that's that kind of thing. But, yeah, the thing – one thing I – I heard a piece of investment advice from Warren Buffett one time. And he was talking about the stock market, but I think it applies to everything. And it was like, don't hold something for 20 minutes that you're not willing to hold for 20 years. Which – I mean, it doesn't necessarily directly translate to crypto because of just the nature of how the cryptocurrencies work. And each one, you know, you got all these different coins popping up that are trying to solve specific problems and that sort of thing. But I think in general, too, that's that's like, you know, good advice too. like if you're having a bad day. All right. Just step away from it. Take your losses. Don't worry about it and give it a few days and you'll probably be back up again. Well, days, maybe weeks is probably better. But one of the things that I found um, kind of hurt me in the beginning is that like, I'd say my first my first hundred dollars invested in crypto, you know, probably invested ten dollars at a time in ten different cryptocurrencies, and that was probably a complete waste because I didn't know what any of them were doing. I was picking them on stuff like seeing them on the news or the logo. We're seeing what it had done based on a day. And if I were doing it from the get-go, I'd say um, I would tell myself, go with one for a week or a month and see how it does and see, you know, it's when you can predict the cycles. And it makes me think of the um, the old video games where, you know, like you're sneaking around and you watch the century. And then, like, if you jump out at the century, then boom, the whole game blows up on you. But... You sit, you watch the century, you see that he goes away, you see that he comes back, you know how long it takes for him to go away and come back, so you have sort of a, a timing. So, if I were doing it again, speaking to myself again from the get-go, I'd say, um, you know, before you go in more than like $10 or some minimal amount, watch it enough to see it go through its cycle, you know, before you can say, okay... I see that it's going up. I think this is going to be as high as it goes. And then I see it's going down. I think this is going to be as low as it goes. And at that point, you're still going to be shocked. <laughs> it's still going to do things that make right. you say, oh, wow, you know, bear or bull. That's why I personally, you know, and I know a lot of people don't like it, uh, people that are like hardcore into it. But I always tell people to go to Coinbase. Because Coinbase has, they have a feature called Learn and Earn. And you just click on that and then they'll have different um, different cryptos that you like learn about what the crypto is. Like why it was created, what problem it's trying to solve, you know, what's it based on. Is it like using the uh, Ethereum network or is it doing something else, that kind of thing. And then they will give you that crypto for learning about it. It's not going to be much. It's not going to be much, but you can get like two, three, four dollars worth of that crypto. Now, you can then hold on to it if you want and, and maybe invest more into that one. Or you can just convert it to Bitcoin or uh, ETH or whatever you want to convert it to. 
and then hold it that way or sell it and get your cash and run, whatever you want to do. But that is one thing I like about Coinbase is that you can learn about each individual one. Like, you know, if you go, so if I was to open up the Coinbase app right now and just pick a, a, a crypto, then I can go to uh, like the website for the developer. I can look, if they've got a white paper, it'll have their white paper, right? Like if, if, um, so if I'm looking at Bitcoin, for example, I can go straight to the original Bitcoin white paper that explains what wow. the purpose of Bitcoin is What's from it? within the app. And, and there's, so that's why I, I like Coinbase. Now it, it, you know, for people that have been dealing with different cryptos for a while, they like to use different exchanges that maybe don't do some of the things that Coinbase does because they do use a, um, a know your customer thing where you have to kind of confirm your identity and which they're all going to because of government regulations at this point. It's, it's just, you know, it's, it's kind of unavoidable unless you're wanting to take some identity protection steps and, and potentially use the deep and or dark web. But that's a subject for a different conversation, right. but it's, it's, but that's why I personally like, I like Coinbase for that. And then um, crypto.com I actually also use them some, like on occasion. I've got uh, an actual physical card from Crypto.com uh, that I can spend. It uses the Visa system. So I can use, I can buy crypto at Crypto.com, and then I can use that crypto to top off the card for a certain amount, right? Like say I'm like, all right, I want to have this much money as a backup. I can use Crypto.com to do that, and I've got a card that I can just use it right then and there if need be. So between Crypto.com and Coinbase, like that's what I mostly use. I only use Uphold to get BAT from Brave because that was the only way I could get it at first. Um, although now I just noticed they now have, um, they're calling it like the brave wallet where they can set you up a wallet. So I'm going to try that out and see I how that does. Today. I wasn't able to move my money. I don't know. I'm probably doing something wrong. I'm not saying that their developers are crap, but, um, I was not able to move money with my wallet from uphold or to uphold. So, um, that might be something where if somebody can offer some guidance on it. Or a four dummies, um, that would be helpful. Yeah, yeah, we'll see how it goes because I'm I'm not sure. It looks like so. It looks like it's it's heavily tied to Ethereum, which I personally I know I know one of our mutual friends in particular, <laughs> Chris, likes Ethereum quite a bit. I personally hate it. Um, it's it was good at first. But the the gas fees for using it are just so outrageous. Right yeah, now. I noticed that. And they have been for so long. Like, it's just to me, it's not even worth using because of that. Like, it's just so it costs you so much. So, like, like, say, you know, uh, like, say I was short on something and I was like, hey, man, can I just get like let me get five bucks from you. And you're like, sure, I'll send it to you in ETH. It would cost you like 50 bucks to send me the five. Yeah, it's, it's just it, and that defeats the purpose of a crypto like part of the cryptocurrency was to be able to do the exchange easily and quickly online. You know, like that's what Bitcoin was created for and, and many of the others. So that's why I'm not a huge fan of, of Ethereum. But um, I mean, it does have its place. But 
you know, also the whole blockchain and like a forever record of the transaction of you did this, uh, that, you know, for that people who, who want to have some anonymity, it's not worth using because you're directly tied to whatever transaction that you did with it forever. It's on the block forever. Right. Well, I'm, I'm not, I'm not into it for anonymity. I'm really playing around with it because I've seen it go up more in value than pretty much anything I've invested in other than condos. I mean, certainly no money I've kept in a bank has gone up this much. So at this point, I'd say at bare minimum, like keeping it in crypto is from what I can see, it looks like a better option than keeping it in a credit union. Absolutely. Absolutely. But my biggest reason for wanting that degree of anonymity, though, as much as possible, because they're all, like I said, everybody's going to the know your customer thing. And even even Bitcoin, it's possible to track if you're not like super careful about what you do. And even if you are, you probably still screwed up somewhere. Right. Um, but but the more difficult that I can make it for the federal government to track me in anything that I do, the better. <laughs> and, and that's, you know, like, it, it's just like, cause a lot of people will have the argument. Well, if you don't have anything to hide, then what are you worried about? Well, that's not the point. The point is that I have a right to my privacy Absolutely. and with things like the, uh, like the build back better agenda that Biden is trying to get passed right now. Like they're trying to add an additional, was it 1.2 million IRS agents? And they want them to do, they want those agents to increase the amount of audits per year they do. And a good chunk of those are going to be on middle-class people. Like they're specifically, they're specifically targeting, I think it was like $70,000 a year and under that they want audited. They're actively trying to intrude and go after you to see what you're doing with your money. And as far as I'm concerned, what I do with my money is my business. It's not theirs. So crypto, especially, so you're doing this right now. You're playing around. You're buying this and you're doing that. You're taking it out. That to me, that's not the federal government's business. No. I mean, that's money that you've already paid taxes on. More than once. (laughs) More than once. Exactly. And so what you do with your money is your business. But now they want to know. They want to know what you're doing. And so uh, the more ability there is to track different transactions, the more of a problem I have with that particular currency. Like, you know, it's supposed to be decentralized finance. It's not supposed to be the power in the hands of the a few people. That was part, again, part of the original Bitcoin and um you know, the idea behind most of the, the cryptos, decentralizing, democratizing, as they always love to say, the financial industry. Uh, but like everything, the federal government starts getting its hands in it and messing things up. And so now you got people coming up with all these different types of, of coins and different things that are now they're tracking everything. And then you've got blockchain transactions that are forever on the blockchain that yes you bought this from this person for this amount and i just i don't like that i got a harsh reality for you then um when it comes to the idea of um securing your privacy and how we spend our money i don't see anything more um 
effective that we can do other than keep as much of our money in cash as possible. You know, I remember as a kid, my grandmother telling me that she was keeping money. Uh, she kept a lot of cash around because she didn't trust banks. And I mean, obviously it seemed, as a small child, it seemed, I don't know, I wouldn't say absurd, but it didn't make any sense to me then. But I think we can both agree that it makes sense now. And well, um, it does, but again, the cash is losing value. So that's what, so, you know, that, that one of the things that Bitcoin can solve is that you're not losing money by trying to keep it out of the spotlight, so to speak. Yeah, it's almost like, it's like, you lose money or you lose privacy. It's, I don't see how there's a way that we can... I mean, we know that anything... I would not be surprised if the CIA set up Bitcoin. I mean, <laughs> none of that. Would you be surprised? Like, no, hey, no honestly. I <laughs> so I, I don't see... I don't even see how anyone could offer a fully trackable accounting system as a way to maintain anonymity. I mean... The Silk Road is gone. I mean, those days are over. So, mm, yes, it is gone, no. isn't it? Well, yeah. Well, there's there's other marketplaces that have uh, stepped up to to fill in the blanks. To, yeah, you know, nature yeah, abhors, I, I nature know. abhors a vacuum. So, as soon as they're gone, there's others coming in, right? And and it's not always for the better. Like, just like with, I mean, say what you want about the CIA, but the uh, when they controlled the cartels, the drug trade was nowhere near as violent as it is now. <laughs> so, you know, uh, and I'm not, that's not an endorsement of our CIA controlling the drug trade. <laughs> I'm just saying like, like when you've got one big kingpin and then you take that one out, a bunch of little ones pop up and it does not necessarily make the situation better. Yeah, so I I sometimes try to imagine like what would be the next best thing because you know the the cash keeps you anonymity, but I don't know keeping gold. Well, yes and no, but because if you withdraw certain amounts of cash per day, the bank is going to report how much cash you took out. Yeah, financial crimes investigative unit. Yeah, um, same thing. A lot of people don't know this. Like, if you buy more than one handgun in a five-day period, the gun store is required to report that to the ATF. Wow. There's nothing, there's nothing illegal about it. You're perfectly fine to buy as many guns as you can afford to buy. In some some states try to restrict it, you know what I mean? Like Virginia just passed that stupid uh, one handgun a month rule, which isn't even really one handgun a month because you can you can trade one in or if you've got a concealed carry permit then that's an exception and you're fine you can buy as many handguns as you want but it do, it doesn't really matter it, so if you're buying like if I bought a gun today today's monday and then if I bought one say on thursday uh a by law there's a form that's generated that has to go to the ATF by the end of the day on the date of the multiple sale. So that second purchase, or if I bought like three guns at one time, whatever, it has to go to the ATF. So like they're tracking everything that you do is the, the, the why I brought that up to illustrate the point, because if you take out a certain amount of cash, they're watching. If you buy certain amount of things, they're watching. If you buy certain things in combination 
they're watching, right? Like, like you're like say because you you've planted uh, gardens, right? So like if you yeah. bought a certain amount of fertilizer, now they're looking at you because that's been used in crimes before. Um, so it, it's, it's the reason that I like so. There are ways of getting around it with Bitcoin, and I don't believe, I'm not naive, I don't believe that they are 100% secure, but they make it much harder for the government to track what you're doing if that's the route you want to go with it. And that is something that I do like. I like having that option because it's just like, you know, like I said, like some people are, are uh, if you... If, if you're not, if you don't have anything to hide, what are you worried about? And, and that's not the point. It's just like saying, uh, well, I don't care about restrictions on free speech because I don't have anything to say right now. Right. Right. <laughs> like, you know, or even pe people that like, well, I don't care about restrictions on guns because I don't own a gun. Like I don't hate guns, but I don't care what laws they pass on guns because I don't have one or, um, you know, to make it really absurd. Like, let's use the uh, Third Amendment. Right. Like. Well, I don't care that they put troops in my neighbor's house because they didn't do it in mine. Like, it's it's flawed logic. And so, you know, the more privacy we take back, like, if I and, – and it's funny because, you know, I use Signal. I've got Signal. I've got Telegram. Um, I've got some other types of, of chat methods that can be encrypted. And I know that by using that, I'm now – putting more of a target on myself. So the act of you trying to take back some privacy now causes you to lose a little bit more. Uh, but that doesn't mean that I, I shouldn't do it. Right. Like, so that's one of the, one of the things that, that I like about the crypto is because again, it's going to make it harder. They're going to have to go through more hoops to do it, you know? Uh, and again, that's why I like Bitcoin over other like blockchain based stuff. Um, because there is a degree of anonymity, um, you know, when Brave is sending me BAT, like that's a direct link transaction of we sent this person this much. You know, if I then convert that to Bitcoin and then I send it to another wallet and then it gets sent to another wallet and then it gets sent to another wallet. And that, not even if I'm doing it, just I pay this person then they pay that person. It's much harder for them to track that. And that's that's why I like it. And, you know, the investment and and hedging the inflation is just kind of uh, makes it even even like the the icing on top, basically. A better deal. So yeah, I, I lean towards thinking that when you keep it in a crypto, you don't necessarily have to transform it back into a dollar. I mean, you can you can exchange different currencies all over the place. So. I guess the model that I'm going with in terms of like the whole security and storage of value thing is um, store the value or grow the value in crypto. But, you know, in terms of like trying to keep my private life private, um, try to do as much with cash right before I need to make use of the cash. So, I mean, you were saying earlier that, you know, you, the cash loses value and that's the problem. Well. You know, on the day when I need the cash or the day or the week or whatever, you know, imagine, you know, 10 or 15 years from now, if I had the same amount in crypto, me converting some of that, some small amount of it into a large amount of cash to make use of at that point. 
Um, but I don't, I don't even think that the whole, like, getting around this whole government surveillance state, um, unfortunately, a large part of that would rely on, like, not being connected in a, uh, <clears throat> like, an internet savvy sort of way. And, uh, for me, I'm a software developer, and we're both on a podcast stream right now, so I don't know how feasible that is. <laughs> well, yeah, and 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 I I agree, I agree. But it, it, the thing for me, it's a, it's a factor, right? Like, um, you know, okay, like okay, you you've read, um, enemies uh, foreign and domestic. Yes. What was the first thing when they put the squeeze on the main character? When they, so, for those who haven't read the book, in the book, there's a character who the government shows up and they're like, "You're going to spy on these people for us," and he doesn't want to do it, but they've got him. And the way that they have him is they tell him, "We'll freeze your bank accounts." Yeah. Now, yeah. if you've got if if your plan was to use cash to do things, then you're you're in trouble there. But if you've got crypto, it's harder for them to freeze. It's harder for them to get to it, especially if you have it in a wallet. That's your wallet. Now, they can lock your account on an exchange, sure. But if you've got it in a wallet, it's easier for you to send it from a wallet to another wallet, you know, direct transaction. Like even when, when the Dogecoin hype train started at the beginning of the year, uh, Mark Cuban comes out and says, we're going to accept Dogecoin as a form of payment for the Dallas Mavericks, right? So if you want to go to basketball game, and you've got Dogecoin in a wallet. You could pay to buy the ticket with the Dogecoin. Like you don't even have to convert it to dollars. You could spend the Dogecoin. So that—that's what I'm talking about. Like that is—is is, you know, yeah, it is. And and there's more and more options for stuff like that to happen. And I I think i think personally that is a big driving factor as to why it's increasing in value like you know elon musk didn't just buy a bunch of bitcoin for tesla just because you know oh bitcoin's worth a lot right now like there's there's if, if you're making that decision then you know you're gonna why would we want this not just because it stores value because the value it could go down so for just from a, a, a investment standpoint, there's other more secure investments you can get in. But so you have to start looking at what else it can do, which, again, kind of goes back to what I was saying at the very beginning of like you can spend it easier, you can convert it easier, and the value goes up. And then if you want to do transactions that you don't want people seeing or just, you know, not even that you're trying to hide, just that what I, again, what I do with my money is, is my business, right? That makes it much easier. So, and, and again, the liquidity, if you're a company, sometimes it's harder to get cash and do things, even whether you're a company or a person. So I think the spendability factor of it um, and the just the, the quickness of the transactions and the fact that you can keep the government out of it to a degree. I think that's part of what drives the the increase in in price because I don't think it's a coincidence that as quickly as the economy has just gone to shit under Biden how fast Bitcoin has risen. Yes. Like it it's, you know, as, as bad as Biden starts destroying things Bitcoin keeps shooting up and, you know, I think that's also dropping red pills on people too. And that's one reason that 
you know, again, it's like it's like a cycle, right? Like they're seeing that Bitcoin's doing this. Well, in Bitcoin, I'm protected a little bit and oh, I can do things without the government. And, you know, so then they're like, oh, maybe I want to invest in that. So like that's helping. Uh, it's almost like that's fueling the demand is like it's waking people up. So they're seeing that the government is screwing up a lot of things because we went from we went from just just as one example, we went from an energy exporter, like a net exporter of energy to now we're talking about releasing some strategic reserves like that one alone is driving people to be like, I have to do something with my money. And, and, you know, the situation's getting crazy and, you know, all this stuff that they see is happening. And so that's pushing, I think more people into the crypto and stuff. So it is more than just an investment, but I think the investment is driven by these other things. And so it's kind of maybe not a good idea to discount it. Just like, Oh, I'm just investing in it. Well, I think that's part of what's driving and making it such a good investment. Here's something I see as being sort of an, an other shoe to drop when it comes to crypto and world economies. Um, it only recently became part of my whole deal, you know, making use of other currencies other than the U.S. dollar. But, you know, just as easily as you can get on uphold and buy Bitcoin, you can buy Indian rupees, you can buy, you know, British pound sterling, you can basically invest in gold, so to speak. So no government ever outsmarts its own um, currency. And right now, I feel like Biden is trying his best to prove that he's too stupid for our <laughs> currency. But, you know, we worry about Russia and China like, divesting of the U.S. dollar. But... We could very well be looking at a point when U.S. citizens divest themselves of the U.S. dollar. And, you know, like I said, it is as easy to divest yourself of the U.S. dollar as it is to buy a Bitcoin or a piece of a Bitcoin. So this is one of those things that to me it's like crypto is... It's not a catalyst. Crypto is the canary in the coal mine. The, the weakness of the U.S. dollar and the, the need to divest is its own thing. And you're right about the fact that buying crypto may very well put us on a short list. But how many people are sending dollars to Mexico? Well, I mean, yeah, there is... <laughs> There is a steady stream of dollars going into Mexico, um, so that's good. And 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 that that reminds me, I've seen cryptos that are specifically designed like that's the problem they're trying to solve. Is they're actually a crypto that is intended to be used for people to send money to other countries from the U.S. Um, I've seen different ones that do that. So yeah, and that's a good point. Like. Uh, when you were saying that too about the like people divesting themselves from the dollar because of you know like the government or whatever, uh, like with Biden, that's pretty much exactly what the president of El Salvador said. Like they they've made you can go to El Salvador and spend Bitcoin. Yes, like you don't have to take dollars and convert them to 
whatever their currency is. I, I can't think of it off the top of my head. Um, you could just go there with Bitcoin. And they actually have bought a bunch of Bitcoin. And I just saw when it did a dip, they doubled down. Like, they bought a bunch more. So, like, they literally, as a country, bought the dip. And... Nation so, states buying the dip, like you yeah, said. Yeah, like, that's a huge deal. And and his 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 big reasoning for trying to do more in their economy with bitcoin was because of the Biden administration he 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 said like you know there's people in power that run he's like whether we like it or not we're tied to the US because this entire hemisphere is let's face it um i mean really the whole world is but specifically the entire western hemisphere is tied to the United States and and especially Central and South American governments that are friendly with the U.S., which El Salvador is. Um, they're tied to it, and they the dollar was a big portion of their economy. The the U.S. dollar was a huge portion of their economy, and he said that he didn't. He what he saw in looking at the current administration was that it was going to hurt the dollar. And because they're tied to the dollar, but don't have a representative interest within the United States that he saw, hey, it's time for us to try to like ease that a little bit. And that's why they went to Bitcoin. So it's basically what you were describing with if we could get citizens to do that. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think we're necessarily far off from that. But the question then becomes when the federal government sees that that's what's happening, what are they going to do? Um, first of all, I see it as being inevitable. I see it as being inevitable in one way or another. I mean, like, we had just barely got a handle on companies offshoring with the previous administration kind of enticing them to come back and like, hey, we're going to make a, a pleasant business environment for you. Current administration, um, instant return to tone deafness. So, you know, it's going to obviously reverse the tide. But, you know, the things that corporations could do eventually become the things that individuals can do. The thing that governments used to be able to do eventually become the things that corporations can do. And I'm thinking specifically of space travel at this point, you know, you know, Bezos, you know, putting this little thing into the moon, I mean, into the sky. Um, all this stuff is going to move down so that it's not just going to be the big players. It's not going to be just the Warren Buffets who are saying, um, hey, I need to figure out how to offshore my money. It's a dumbass like me sitting in my you know, a little office thinking, I need to be able to do this. And more importantly, all the pieces are in place at the right time for it to become a big thing. Um, before I actually started doing this with crypto and trading back and forth, it had never occurred to me to keep value in something other than a U.S. dollar. Like, why? But... I see that as being something that, um, I mean, the need is already there. People are already seeing the need for it. Um, the real question is, what can they do to stop us? And 
I mean, short of shutting down the internet. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you want to do that, then, like I said, they're going to have to figure out how to stop citizens from sending their money to Mexico. They're going to have to figure out how to stop individuals from buying things overseas. I mean, this, this is a transaction. It's a financial transaction. Um, I, I don't see... I don't see how that can be stopped, um, short of um, ending the incentive to do so. Well, a government's not very good at, uh, they're what's driving the incentives. To, Absolutely. You know, so they're not very good at doing that. What they do is they, they tend to create a problem and then create a solution to that problem that makes that problem worse or makes it obsolete in favor of a new problem. Yeah. Um, and so the way that I would see them shutting that down is like blockchain nationalization of a blockchain currency, because if it's on the block, you know, if it's on the blockchain, then it's tied to that. It's, it's forever documented at this person did this at this time for this amount, right? Things like smart contracts and all that stuff, right? So like if, if the U.S. government, because governments tend to do things to justify their own existence. So if they're losing power, which what you described is them losing power. There was actually a book that I read uh, is called, um, I believe it's called The Decentralization of the World. And that was written right around uh, the year 2000. And it, kind of the premise of that book was that the world, the nation state like it is now is becoming obsolete and things are going to start to break down to more individual levels. Um, and that sounds like what you're describing. But the problem with that is, is that, you know, when people get power, they don't give it up and those in power do anything they can to keep their power. So the federal government of the United States is not just going to go the way of the dodo. They're going to find a way to clamp down. And so, you know, my my biggest fear is that they they either come up with a currency and outlaw all the others and then all transactions have to be done by that one or they just nationalize like, you know, Ethereum or something like that. Um, because, again, the main reason everything is done in dollars now, like the international, everything is done in dollars, was two things, really, was because of our involvement in Europe after World War II and, you know, NATO. So everything was done through dollars that way. And then the Saudis only accepting American dollars for payment for oil. Yeah, so that, that's what I think the plank in the eye of the federal or of any government is. Um, you know, when you and I look at our uphold or our wallet or whatever, we, def we see a site that defaults to the U.S. dollar. So we value everything in U.S. dollars. For these politicians in Washington, they've got the same thing. They see everything in U.S. dollars. And they assume that the value is there to back it. But they don't really comprehend the possibility that the alternatives, you know, no matter, like, no matter how minuscule the alternative is, right. whether it be a Mexican peso or an Indian rupee, the power of the alternative isn't what matters. 
It's the fact that there is an alternative. So I can't see governments saying like, hey, we want to control what you do with um, the crypto of Bitcoin. Um, and, you know, they might reach into the into the um, alternate currency market and say, hey, we want to don't want to let you exchange to British pound sterling. But, you know, there's always going to be that little thing like a bat coin, which is literally not a token. It's really just an agreement with myself. Um, or, but, like I said. Um, but is there? But is there? Will always there always an alternative? Be? Will there always be? Because, okay, if you look at what they're doing now with, like, just to use. So what, what that brought to mind for me is how they're working to exclude people from employment and involvement in society uh, using COVID vaccinations, right? Right. And they're actually having some success in doing that without even becoming full authoritarian right now. I mean, they're, they are, but they're not like Stalin authoritarian. They're letting so, people do it. Yeah, they're in, they're, they've convinced people to voluntarily do it and then using the, the ones that have voluntarily done it to put the peer pressure on the others to do it. And they're having success with that without having to go full totalitarian. So they could conceivably do the same thing with a cryptocurrency like and you, you've also got like uh, I just saw an article today with regard to COVID where the World Health Organization was talking about it's time for us to have a centralized plan for the entire world on here's what you have to do uh, like for vaccinations. Right. So if they're talking about doing that with that, it's not a stretch to then extend that over to currency. And I mean, and not for nothing, that's in the Bible, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, so the, the, the one world currency, uh, you know, the mark of the beast and that thing, so nobody can buy or sell with that. So, you know, whether you believe in the Bible or not is irrelevant. There's plenty of evidence to suggest that that type of thing is possible and where we have sort of always been headed because it, it's, it always goes towards authoritarianism and then something will strike it down. You know, um, just I mean, like for that matter, States. though, cryptocurrencies could be pushing us more towards a one world government by taking cash out of our pockets and putting it into a digital, digital exactly. world. Um, exactly. They get people used to doing it that way, and then they make it so that that's the only way to do it. And now it becomes easier to control. So it's, it's, uh, you know, it's not that far-fetched to say that that's where the governments will go. Rather than allowing themselves to become obsolete by this technology, they then take it and corrupt it to their own ends. And, and I use corrupt loosely. I'm not, you know, trying to be hardcore with like, oh, they're a corrupting influence. They corrupt everything, which I believe they do. But I was just yeah. using it as a general term. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it, it's just, it's hard to say. Like the future for crypto... <clears throat> excuse me, I think is very bright, but, you know, there's always that dark cloud on the horizon of government involvement, no matter which way it goes. Yeah, I kind of feel like the, the ultimate immediate future of economies worldwide is probably looking more like collapse. Um, I only play around with crypto uh, for fun. I really don't see how, like, Looking at the trajectory of the entire world and thinking about how, 
you know, we've got the weakest president ever, but we're getting ready to pick a fight with Russia and China. Um, nothing I do at this point is like based on like an expectation that we'll have a 20 year future that, you know, matches our 20 year past. Um, I think people need to really, I mean, if you really want to tell people to focus on the future by beans, bullets, and band-aids, 